Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Martin's Barbecue downtown. Touchdown, Titans! This is Monday Night Titans, presented by Geico. Part of the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. With your host, Jason Martin, senior writer and editor of TitansOnline.com, Jim Wyatt, and former Titans pro bowler, Mark Mariani. From the official station of the Titans, 104.5 The Zone. Blitz coming. Mariota throws in the end zone. Man is there. Touchdown, Titans! Corey Davis, his first ever touchdown catch at Nissan Stadium. That's why you pick him. That's why you want him. And that's why Marcus Mariota is the man. He certainly was yesterday. Folks, a funny thing happened on the way to 0-4, didn't it? It turned into 3-1. and one. It looked awfully nasty in Miami. It was just an ugly day, and the weather stunk too. But that now feels more like a memory than ever because today, the biggest story amongst a lot of national folks who barely knew the Titans even had new uniforms in 2018 were completely unaware of who their head coach was. The biggest story today in many circles is, wait a second, the Titans are 3-1 and one and they just beat the defending champion Philadelphia Eagles? That. Ladies and gentlemen, is the story. Marcus Mariota with a glove that maybe he should just wear on his hand forever. Look, I'm a superstitious guy. He goes 30 for 43 and maybe the best overall game he's played in a Tennessee Titans uniform. Corey Davis catches a game winner in overtime to cap off a nine-reception, 161-yard receiving day. Deion Lewis targeted nine times, nine catches. That's pretty good. The defense looks legit, and even though Carson Wentz played well, it wasn't enough in Nashville. There are a handful of games played in that building that you could put into your own personal top five. Yesterday, probably in that list. Assuredly in the regular season, and since the stadium was renamed, no doubt that was the biggest win and the best football game it's seen. The Tennessee Titans are 3-1. and one. They're undefeated in the AFC South, and they've gone through arguably the toughest stretch of their season. Holy moly, folks, this is just a little bit fun as we welcome you into Monday Night Titans presented by Geico, part of the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone, here live from Martins on 4th and Broadway. I am joined by TitansOnline.com editor and senior writer Jim Wyatt, former Titans pro bowler Mark Mariani. It wasn't supposed to happen against the Texans, Jim. It wasn't, definitely wasn't supposed to happen against the Jaguars. And now here come the defending champs. Not a chance that the Tennessee Titans are going to be able to compete. Carson Wentz is back on the field, and yet in overtime, the Titans get it done, and now they're 3-1. and one. Yeah, what a gritty win. I mean, it was a gutsy call by Mike Vrabel to go for the win instead of kicking a tie. I think, I think with uh, a couple of minutes left in the game, when it was looking like Ryan Suckup was going to come on for a 50-yard field goal, I think you were probably going to think, okay, you got out with a tie against the defending champs, nothing to be ashamed of, 2-1-1. One, and one. Uh, Instead, he pulls Ryan Suck up back to the sideline, goes for it, and this team's able to finish off the drive. And I agree. I mean, I, I did a list of 
the top 12 finishes you know, in team history. Right. Uh, the games that ended in touchdowns. I didn't necessarily count field goals because you open up to a whole other group there. This is the number one game as far as that's concerned. Winning a game with a touchdown at the very end, it came on a pass to Corey Davis, as you mentioned, and uh, the stadium was electric. And uh, this is something to build off of moving forward, but a great start at 3-1, and one, uh, you know, with some games coming up that you're going to need to find a way to win as well. And, Mark, last week we finished the show and you said, we did it. We got through an hour on a 9-6 to six game with five <laughs> field goals. Today it's not going to be hard to get through this show. lot to talk about today. So many amazing individual efforts. I told you guys on the way in, I'm still physically, emotionally drained. The liver's been beat up. I mean, we, I celebrated, uh, you know, I, I'll tell you what, I'll be the first to admit, after uh, the Texans game and the Jaguars game, you sort of talked yourself into it and you thought, yeah, we have a good chance. We can do it. Stick together. But leading up to the Eagles, the defending world champs, you said all the things, but in the back of your head, at least for me, I was going, man, this is a different challenge. These guys are a different animal. Uh, and to go in, we talked about all about the defense last week, all about you know, how dominating they were. Well, I'll tell you what, this was a 100% team effort. Every phase of the game had to step up, including the coaching staff. All around unbelievable, and what a win. One of the best wins I've ever been a part of, witnessed, or, or even seen from the sidelines. Truly an incredible game, and we can start right where you did. We can talk about all the stats we want, and we will. We've got an hour. There were some eye-popping numbers to talk about. We can marvel at how good Mariota was, short of maybe two or three plays in that game. We can talk about Davis. We can talk about the defense. We can talk about the offensive line, and we're going to during the course of this show. But let's start with Mike Vrabel and this coaching staff. If you saw the video from the locker room yesterday after the win, you saw it. And by it, I mean it. When you're winning, it can be easier to spot it. But there's no doubt this team loves playing for this guy. He's not going to be an easy coach to please a lot of the time. But when you do as you're supposed to on the field, he's going to put the game in your hands to win. He's going to go for it on fourth down and overtime. He's going to put faith in his quarterback. He's going to put faith in his coordinators in the play calling. He's going to be aggressive, almost arrogantly so, because he buys into you as a, as a Titans football player. This is a rookie head coach. It might not get any better than this, but it sure appears today as if Vrabel was the right pick at the right time for this team and maybe more importantly for this town. Yeah, and that's what teams need early on with a new coach is you need to have some success. You need to have more of the buy-in, and that comes from winning games, and that comes from making tough decisions. We saw him go for it near the goal line against Miami in week one. We saw the team go for it, uh, backed up in their own territory against Houston in week two, and then to go for it on Sunday in a situation where it looked like they're trying to field goal. Uh, you know, team, that, that fires up a team. Players want to win. They don't want to tie. Mike Vrabel said today, I asked him the last time he'd been involved in a tie was his freshman year at Ohio State when they were playing Wisconsin. Uh, he, he doesn't hate the thought of having a game in a tie. He wanted to win, and that's what, uh, that's what he has preached to his team. And uh, the excitement level in that video that you saw in the locker room was off the charts. And, Mark, he's not going to allow the narrative to be about him. Yeah. Unless they lose, at which point I think he's going to take a lot of responsibility. So I'm going to make sure that we give him props. Over the past three weeks in these wins, all of them improbable before kickoff, he's outcoached Bill O'Brien badly. He outcoached Doug Marone, and now he duels Doug Peterson, one of the best coaches in the league, especially young, newer coaches in the league. He comes out with a victory over the defending world champs. And let's not forget, 
This team was down 17-3 to to the Philadelphia Eagles and still found a way to come back and win this game. That's what impressed me so much, honestly, is the fact that down 17-3, throwing interception before halftime, four, four, or three fourth, fourth downs in overtime, all these things happen. Uh, we drop a long pass, right? Uh, big punt return sets, sets up um, the Eagles for a field goal. All these things happen, and the Tennessee Titans don't flinch. And he doesn't have to take credit for it. He won't. He can say that players go out and execute. But I'll tell you what, he's doing a heck of a job, and him, he and his coaching staff are doing a heck, heck of a job. And confidence is a very powerful thing, man. Having confidence, playing together, these guys are going to be tough to beat. Just like Coach said, though, stick together moving forward. But with these guys playing how they are and everything, it's going to be tough to beat the Tennessee Titans. The Darius Jennings drop. I don't know how many football teams crumble after something like that. You see so many opportunities where when you see a chance to win the football game or at least tie the football game, go awry as it did in that play, that's usually curtains for a lot of NFL teams. To me, the fact that they still won the game after such a bad drop in a situation where everybody was watching and you didn't expect the Titans to be there in the first place, that was maybe the most impressive thing I saw in the whole game. Yeah, and, and that broke a string of 15 yes. straight completions oh. from Mariota. He didn't throw an incomplete pass in the third quarter or the fourth quarter. He hits, he hits Jennings, who's going to make that catch most of the time. I, I hate it for him because he, he's, he's going to make plays. He's going to get some more opportunities. But to see him come back from that, and that set up the fourth and 15 where Mariota ends up finding Taylor on the sideline. And then at that point, you kind of felt, hey, something maybe special getting ready to happen. Well, and that's yeah. where I was saying they didn't flinch all day. You, I felt like they, outpl they outplayed the Eagles in the first half, but you take a 10-3 deficit going into halftime because of one long play from Jordan Matthews and because we throw a pick to set up a three. And that pick's, and that pick's big because holding them to a field goal and yep. not letting them get into the end zone there yeah. may have saved a major momentum switch right before the half. But exactly. The defense takes the field with supreme confidence that they're going to make that stop. And then you just go into halftime down 10-3. But then what do the Eagles do? They come out and drive the field and put you down 17-3 right after halftime. They could have quit there. But these guys don't flinch, man. I don't know what sauce they're drinking over there for the boys and all that stuff. Mike Vrabel's got them playing. And like I said, man, it, it, they're going to be tough, tough team to beat. Fourth and four. Fourth and 15. Third and 19. Fourth and two. Third and goal from the 10. All on that final drive. Now, one thing that we... I think that this needs to go to Matt LaFleur in particular. The Eagles have been bad in pass defense this year. They've given up nearly 1,100 passing yards this season. Rodney McLeod being out has harmed them greatly. And credit to Matt LaFleur because he also, I think, recognized that the Eagles have one of the best run defenses in the league. Titans could not run the football at all yesterday. But he basically abandoned it for the most part and let his quarterback go throw because he knew that their defense could be had through the air. And that's what we saw yesterday from Davis, from Taylor, from six wide receivers that would have been seven if John U. Smith had made one of, you know, one of the catches, that uh, one of the looks that he was given during the game. But still, they had a game plan to beat this Eagles defense the way it was constructed. And that credit should go to Matt LaFleur. Yeah, and Mike Vrabel gave him credit, said it's the best game he's called as, as coach. And, and one of the re reasons for that is because he had a Marcus Mariota who was capable of doing more. And it's a good time for Marcus to get healthy. I mean, he, he made it through the Jacksonville game at the end, working on a pretty limited playbook and play calls because of his limitations. Uh, didn't have the full game in Miami. 
watching him in practice the last couple of weeks leading up to this past week just wasn't right. He wasn't going to be able to do some of the things that they were going to ask, going to initially ask him to do, so they had to scale it back. This week, you could tell in practices he was more like himself, and we saw that right out of the, out of the gate, throwing a deep ball uh, down the field. He could make all the throws, and that's a good sign moving forward. He eventually would like to get rid of that glove that he's wearing, but uh, he, he looks like he's back to his old self, and that's a good sign moving forward. Yeah, 20th in the league going into yesterday, the Eagles were as a pass defense. Just to put them out there, Houston's 28th in the league, Miami's now 27th, and then there's Jacksonville, who are second in the league. And, of course, you saw their defense on display last week. But Matt LaFleur understood, I think, Mark, that this secondary was beatable. The Eagles, in terms of pass defense, this is the second-worst Eagles unit in franchise history to this point in the season in a pass defensive category. This was a defense that was dominant a season ago. But Matt LaFleur did not sit there and continue to hand it to Derrick Henry to run straight into their line because they're one of the best run defenses in the league. He's been battle-tested. He's had to draw up some plays in the dirt, get creative because he hasn't had his full arsenal. Now he's starting to get some guys healthy, and we're seeing what he's capable of doing. Yeah, and, and you know what we did? We threw the ball down the field. Yeah, we did. We got a pass interference a couple times. We threw the ball down the field and tested these DBs. But I disagree with you a little bit on one point, Jamar. We, it, it, the run game was not extremely effective. 12, I think uh, Dion Lewis and Derrick Henry combined for 12 rushes for 24 yards. Yeah, that's not great. But, <laughs> but they didn't completely abandon it. They always, they always sprinkled it in a little bit because a lot, a lot of those big plays came off the play action, came off the run fake, and just the threat of the run combined with, uh, combined with the threat of Marcus Mariota taking off, it holds those linebackers for just a tick, and it keeps them honest. And I think those were some of the plays that we were able to push but behind the second level and get into the secondary. We hit guys yesterday that were wide open, and I haven't seen that from a Tennessee Titans team in a while. Not, not, not throws down the fields that were contested. Guys were running wide open and making plays. That was cool to see. A lot of that, to me, tells me that Matt LaFleur is scheming those plays up. Oh, yeah. No, no, I agree. I also like the fact that we disagreed in the first segment. This is going to be a fun <laughs> show. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about Corey Davis's day. We're going to talk about this defense. I think it's time to start considering this Tennessee Titans defense as truly legit in the National Football League. All that's still to come. Monday Night Titans presented by Geico here on 104.5 The Zone. Zone. Tra- Presented by Geico, part of the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone, along with former Titans Pro Bowler Mark Mariani, TitansOnline.com's Jim Wyatt. I'm Jason Martin. Follow Mark at MarkMariani80. Follow Jim at Sports. I'm at Zone. So let's talk about Corey Davis just a little bit. Nine catches on 14 targets, 161 yards, the game-winning score. Look, it's a risk to take a running back early in this day and age. You're finding that out in New York. Saquon Barkley's really good, but Eli doesn't appear to be anymore. There are no weapons outside of Barkley and Odell Beckham Jr. You take a receiver high, that's usually been traditionally more of a risky pick. But in a passing league, and listen to this absurd stat from week four in the NFL, not including tonight, obviously. 990 pass attempts yesterday, 56 touchdowns to 20 interceptions a 65% completion percentage, almost eight yards per attempt. In the first two weeks of the season, the average passer rating was 105. 
This league is designed at this point to make quarterbacks bigger stars than they've ever been before and to put up a boatload of points to make it more exciting as a product. It's not the same NFL it used to be. We're now seeing the best teams use a lot of pre-snap motion, utilizing play action, using these RPO concepts. That's one of the reasons Dallas has been so bad. They do none of that. I heard the ringer talk about how their receivers just line up, stand still, and then go straight vanilla all the way down the field. All of this to say, if this is a passing league, drafting a wide receiver high should not now be as much of a risk. You've got to protect your quarterback, and you've got to have a quarterback. But then you need a legitimate threat at WR1. It's enormously important. And the jury has been out on Corey Davis because he's been a little fragile, guys. The Titans' offense last season was really pedestrian. It was really dull. But now, this offense, the one that we saw yesterday with a healthier Marcus, we kind of are starting to see what Corey Davis can be. We're starting to see why they took him at number five. And now, we're also starting to see why Rashard Matthews might have been wrong to worry about his own touches. He's a possession guy. Corey Davis yesterday proved he was a stud. He showed it. He definitely did, and I know we didn't get a chance to talk about the Rashard Matthews news last week because it happened after the show. I know you had a chance to talk about it at the end of the week. People have asked me, well, who's stepping up? Obviously, Corey Davis is the answer. He's the guy that's stepping up. Everybody's going to play a bigger role, Tajay Sharp, Taewon Taylor, but it's got to be Corey Davis. What he showed on Sunday is what he's capable of doing, and you, know, you look at the numbers, it's almost fair to do this at the, coming off a game like he had yesterday. If you project his numbers over a 16-game season, Here we go. it's 88 catches for 1,228 yards. Uh, do it. But he's got to do this week in and week out. And, uh, you know, physically he can do it. He's got the speed to get downfield. We saw that on the 51-yard catch. He's got the, the toughness to go up and get it. We saw that on the touchdown catch. Uh, I think he's going to just keep getting better and better. The thing he's got to, one of the things he's got to do now is to, is to keep Quentin Spain from picking up those balls and throwing them in the crowd every, every time he <laughs> scores a touchdown. He did it in New England last year in the playoff game. Uh, you know, against the Patriots in Foxborough, and it happened again on Sunday. But uh, I think he can live with it if that ball never surfaces. Mark, you know the receiver position unlike I will ever know it, unlike even Jim knows it as long as he's been covering the league because you played it. That's, that's what you like to watch, I'm sure. Corey Davis, I'm watching the Eagles defense. I'm watching other defenses against him. They're kind of backing off him a little bit now because they see the physicality he's capable of. Yesterday just had to put a smile on your face watching him play. This has to be a big coming out party for him. I mean, this, is, this type of game shows the kind of beast that, that everyone thinks he can be. And what I was most impressed about is he did it in so many different ways. He caught screen passes. He made contested catches. He was going across the middle in play action. He caught a long bomb post uh, from Marcus. All those different things. If you can master one thing, you're going to be good. If you can be great at a lot of things, you can be elite. And he can do that. He can be that guy. Obviously, week to week, the game plan is going to change. He's not going to have, you know, however many targets he had, nine for 161. He's not going to have that every game. But the threat of a guy that can win a one-on-one matchup whenever you ask him to, the security blanket for Marcus Mariota, whenever he needs a play, I'm going to my guy, Corey, is so big for a quarterback. It is so massive. Corey Davis can be that guy. He showed it yesterday. And he's going to hopefully open Pandora's box for the rest of the season. Also, I, I, would, I would assume that if Corey is going to be this much of a threat, that's going to open up a little bit more space for some of the other guys on the field. You saw Tajay out there with a little bit more room. You saw a lot of space for Taewon Taylor, who, made, who was starting to really emerge and make some plays in this offense as well. A healthy Marcus Mariota 
now looks and says, okay, I've got more than Delaney Walker. I've got more than, well, what Rashard Matthews has given you over the last couple of years. I've got a legitimate dude I can throw down the field, and I've got another guy in Taewon Taylor that's a speedster, and that's not to even talk about some of the other targets. There's a lot of hope when it comes to the passing attack for the Tennessee Titans based on what we're starting to see. I agree, but, but some things have to also improve and be more consistent around them. I mean, we, we touched on the running game earlier. The running game's going to have to be better, and, and Derrick Henry has not been happy with himself throughout the – he wasn't happy with himself through the first three games. I can't imagine – after watching the tape on Sunday, he's going to be real thrilled about that one either. So they've got to run the ball better. John Drew Smith's got to catch the ball when it's thrown to him. Marcus Mariota makes a, a tremendously athletic play to avoid pressure, sidestep a defender, get the ball out to John Drew Smith, who drops it. And, and we mentioned the Darius Jennings, who, who's a great guy and, and will make some plays, but you've got to catch those balls because Corey Davis is going to get more attention moving forward as he has success. It happens with every number one receiver in the league, and when that happens... Other guys better be ready when their number's called. Yeah, well, I mean, you see Julio Jones and how he just doesn't score a lot of touchdowns because there's so many guys around him. So then you have the value of a guy like Calvin Ridley or a guy like Muhammad Sanu who then can rack up the touchdowns while Julio is dealing with that. So if Corey's dealing with that, then Taewon's got to make plays. Tajay's got to make plays. Janu apparently, Janu needed another year with Delaney Walker. He just did. He needed to be on the opposite side of Delaney. Him trying to be tight end one, I think he's got a lot of talent, but he's clearly just not there yet. Yeah, and he's playing a ton of snaps. And, and you know, he said when Delaney went down, hey, I'm ready. It's one thing to say it, though. It's another thing to do it. He's going to get better by playing more, but you've got to make good on your opportunities. He's not getting a lot of opportunities. And when one comes your way, you, you, know, you need to make the play. So uh, I think he'll settle down. I think he'll be more of a factor. If Corey Davis continues to have some success, there's no question he's going to get more looks. But, uh, but you've got to make the play. Jim mentioned Derrick Henry, and Derrick Henry is certainly, it's a conundrum right now, but if you really look at Alabama running backs, period, they always have this inherent advantage of having this gigantic, supremely talented offensive line in front of them that creates space. And if you go and you really look at the yardage totals, most of it is second-half yardage when the defenses are just beaten down, tired, and then a guy like Derrick Henry or Eddie Lacy, or Trent Richardson, or whoever it might be can run over those guys. And then you've seen it has not translated into the NFL because then everybody is better on the opposite side. So the Henrys. Richardson, I guess you would actually call a bust. Kenyon Drake, TJ Yeldon, kind of average to decent football players. Mark Ingram, a little bit more talented, but he has a lot of offense around him so that not everybody is focusing on him. I thought coming into the season, Mark Deion Lewis was probably primed to be the more versatile, the more valuable back in this offense, in this NFL. Derrick Henry's been a disappointment. I don't think there's any other way to slice that. Well, and he had an interview recently where he critiqued himself harder than any of us can critique him. And so what I see in that is a true competitor. He knows, he knows what his role is, and he knows what he can be. And I can promise you this, guys. There will be a game plan this year where Derrick Henry will get 30 carries and Deion Lewis will get his share of carries too. We will ground and pound somebody. Yesterday, the Eagles' rush defense came into the game number one in the yeah, league. Yeah, they're incredible. So Matt, Matt LaFleur said, hey, listen, we, we're getting stuffed up the middle, but like I said, we're going to still try it just so you play our fakes. But what did he do? He used the screen passes. He used the short throws. He used the high percentage, get the ball out of Marcus's hands in a re- as a replacement for some of those runs, and I can see how Derrick Henry would be frustrated at this point in the season. 
I can see how he would look at his numbers and say, you know, I can be better. And that's great. I love hearing that out of a player. But there will be a time when we all know how physical Derrick Henry is. There will be a time when we put the game on his shoulders and he runs right into the teeth of a defense and he's going to grind us out a win. I guarantee it. Yesterday's game plan was, was, was uh, manipulated perfectly by Matt LaFleur in that offense. Marcus ran it to a T. Jim touched on his accuracy in the second half and going into overtime. It was a beautiful thing watching that thing up and, run up and down the field in the second half. I don't want to get, I don't want to, you know, be discouraged about our run game because I promise you it'll come, especially with our five horsemen that got to play together, our O-line, for the first Amen. time yesterday and looked like such a beautiful thing. Yeah, and, we, and I think we've also got to keep in mind, and we've talked about Philadelphia's run defense, ranked number one in the league and three in rushing average, but Miami, number seven in the league in rushing average per carry. Houston, number five in the league in rushing average per carry. Jacksonville's defense is strong. They're 14th in average, 10th overall in run defense. They've played some good run defenses that are, that are obviously stacked to stop the run. I would think there'll be some more uh, favorable matchups moving forward. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. They have played against some stout run defenses. The Eagles are only giving up 66 rushing yards a game so far this season. So the way to beat them was through the air. And Matt LaFleur said, you know what? We're going to beat them through the air. We haven't even talked about the other side of the ball. The Titans' defense is legit, folks. If you needed an example of it, you saw it yesterday. Yeah, there are a couple things that need to be cleaned up. We will discuss the pros and cons next. But Dean Pease doing a fantastic job with this unit. We'll be right back. Monday Night Titans, 104.5 The Zone. Zone. Welcome back. Monday Night Titans presented by Geico, part of the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. TitansOnline.com editor, senior writer Jim Wyatt is at Sports. On the tweets, former Titans Pro Bowler Mark Mariani is at Mark Mariani 80. I'm the host of the Big Six, 6 o'clock every night here on 104.5 The Zone. My name is Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. Well, the defense. The Titans' defense yesterday, and the Titans' defense for the most part this season, especially over the last three games, you're starting to see a legit pass rush here with the right pieces, these delayed blitzes, the chances and the times and the opportunities where Dean Pease is sending pressure, really working. Now, we can talk about Malcolm Butler, and there are some issues certainly to get to. But let's talk about something else from yesterday. Guys, you lose Wesley Woodyard early in that game. He might be, along with Jarrell Casey and maybe Brett Kern, the most consistent Titan this season. And what happens? Jayon Brown comes in, has 10 tackles, and plays a whale of a football game. You're starting to see he can actually play the run on the outside as well. You lose Kenny Vaccaro for what looks like at least two weeks. Maybe he's not back until after London. But here comes Harold Landry. Not at the same spot, obviously, but Harold Landry looks awfully special already. Rashawn Evans, pitch count, Jim, going up. He was out there for over 40 snaps yesterday. Finch gets a sack. Now, we know how good Philadelphia's run defense is, but until Jay Ajayi came back into the game in the fourth quarter, the Eagles couldn't find any success against the Titans' run game at all. These guys are not blowing tackles. They're finishing plays. This team's dealt with a lot of injury, bad luck on both sides of the ball. 
This defense is starting to get the attention nationally that it absolutely deserves. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is Dean Peace came in and put a system in that was similar to what the team did last year with a few wrinkles. They have been aggressive. They've done a good job of picking their spots on when to come after quarterbacks and make them uncomfortable. The sack numbers aren't off the charts. I mean, we've seen some games with bigger sack numbers moving forward. And we don't have a sack from Brian Arakpour or Derek Morgan yet, but you're seeing some other guys step up. You mentioned Landry, Sharif Finch. Uh, you know, other guys are making plays and getting better during the course of the season. Jalen Brown has been one of this team's best players during the course of the entire offseason. He was like that in OTAs. He was like that in minicamp. He was like that in training camp. Uh, you hate to see Woodard go down. Hopefully he'll be back uh, sooner rather than later. But uh, the one thing Mike Vrabel has done, I don't care if it's an offensive line, I don't care whether it's at safety, at linebacker, quarterback, Next man up mentality is working well for this team, and uh, he's not making the excuses. He expects those guys to step in and play like the starter, and that's what they've done. Yeah, and we talked about Jalen Brown, a second-year player. Adoree Jackson, another second-year player, Mark, that has really stepped up his play. Kevin Byard was the leading tackler yesterday, and it almost felt pedestrian. He was just out there making plays, and you didn't even think about it because you just expect that that's what's going to happen with 31 on the field. But you look at Baltimore, that's coming up in a couple of weeks. They look like they're legit. They look like they're pretty good. They have a solid defense. You could at least argue that outside of the Ravens and the Jags, maybe the Denver Broncos will see them against a high-octane offense tonight on Monday Night Football. It might be the best unit in the conference right now. They're certainly playing like it. Well, I'll tell you what. They are absolutely flying around. And, and I said it earlier in the show, confidence is a very, very powerful weapon. But here's a fun game, guys. Here's what we should try to do. Go watch the games, the Tennessee Titans games, and before every defensive snap, tell me who's rushing. Because you got seven or eight guys around the line of scrimmage and at the snap of the ball, they come from all different angles, all different everything. They're dropping guys into zone coverage. And you know what it leads to? It leads to Butler gets an gets a un uncontested sack. Finch gets an uncontested yep. sack. Finch, that was a heck of yes. a play by him. Oh, unbelievable. But these guys are running free to the quarterback because they don't know who's coming. I think Dean Pease has done a phenomenal job. I think that shutting down an offense like that, uh, you know, in a, in a high-pressure situation like that is unbelievable. But for me, it all starts up front, man. Derek Morgan, Arakpo, Casey, Daquan Jones, Benny Logan, those guys are so nasty. They don't get moved off their spot. They're pushing people around. When you can't run the ball, what's your next bet? Jarrell has been just outstanding he's, all year. He, he, at that, as that position, he's not going to rack up the numbers, but he is my uh, first quarter MVP he's for the Tennessee He's such Titans. a disruptor, even if it doesn't show up on the stat sheet. The Landry play, the strip sack. That was a game-changing play. That was a momentum-changing play. And he's getting grabbed and pulled back, and he's still been around and got to Carson Wentz. I am saying the move to get Rashawn Evans is really good. But you come up from 57 to 41, if you're John Robinson, to draft Harold Landry, that might be the best move he's made so far. The fact that Landry was even available at 41, the more you watch him, just boggles the mind increasingly week after week. Yeah, I mean, he plays with such great energy. He moves so well. He's got a great bend, as, they, as scouts like to call it. I mean, he, he's explosive coming off the edge, and he was dealing with an ankle injury early. So you got to keep in mind, he wasn't able to kind of get prime like he probably wanted to to start the season. But he's back there now, an incredibly explosive rush on that play. Probably got fortunate that he didn't get called for because he got his, he got his hand in uh, you know, on Wentz's helmet, and 
Uh, so if I guess fortunate that that wasn't called, yeah, yeah, got point. away with one. There, they got but, away uh, with one on Taewon, yeah, too. Yeah, but it, it, that, that kind of evens out during the course of the way because Taewon did get interfered with. The guy got there too early. But uh, you have to be optimistic about what you see from Landry moving forward. And Casey, as we talk about, has just been so consistent. You know, he, he felt like this offseason he needed to get a li- little bit bigger. He didn't feel like he held up as well against the double teams as he had previously. He put on a couple of pounds, and he, it's paying off. I mean, he's, he's been strong. He's been quick, and uh, he's impacting games. He is, and... We've talked about how great the defense was. Carson Wentz was 33 of D for 348 and two touchdowns. I mean, that dude's really good. Like, you saw it. It never felt, though, Mark, like Carson Wentz owned that field. He had to earn everything he did. He's getting chased. He's getting harassed. He's getting beaten up. He's having to escape pressure. What makes him so good is what he does when it looks dire, when he's under yeah. duress, how he plays when he's under pressure or under the blitz. Yesterday, he got his, but this was not a day where he could find his way into the end zone as often as he needed to, to try and put the Titans away. Well, give him a ton of credit, because another thing that Carson Wentz did was, luckily, how many times were we hitting him and around his feet and dragging him down, and he got rid of the ball. So we only get credit for four sacks yesterday, when it could have been eight. But he gets rid of the ball, and he he, he, gets an incompletion and gets out of there, and kudos to him. But that's another thing I love about this defense. Everything is earned. Did he, get this, did he get his numbers? Did Deshaun Watson get his numbers? Yeah, yeah the sure. They did get their numbers. But every single catch is contested, minus the big play we saw from Jordan Matthews. I thought that there may have been a little communication between Butler and the safety there. That was an issue. But every other catch was contested. Everything that I have a great respect for Alshon Jeffrey. He was my teammate in Chicago. Every catch that he made yesterday was contested and fought for, and he can make those catches because he's an elite player, but he, nothing's easy out there. Every single yard is going to be earned every single weekend against this Tennessee Titans. That's why we touched on it last week. We're going to be in every game because that's the kind of consistent play we can expect. And, Jim, when you think of Nelson Aguilar, who usually racks up a lot of catches, he has a tendency to drop the ball, but he really has a tendency to drop the ball because of alligator arms. A lot of times. He does not like hearing footsteps. The Titans were all over him and helping him to make some of those mistakes yesterday. Yeah, and I think that's when you play aggressive defense. You know, That's in the back of the minds of these receivers as they go across the middle. He let a couple of catchable balls, as the Titans did, go off their hands, and there were some big plays. But uh, I do like the, the aggressiveness this team has shown up front. Uh, has to start eliminating the deep ball because we've seen that happen a couple of times this year. But uh, those are things you'll work on moving forward. One more segment to go on the other side here on Monday Night Titans. We've got to look towards the Buffalo Bills. And I've got a theory on what good teams need to do against teams like the Buffalo Bills. Also some questions for the guys, and we'll talk about things happening around the NFL. Stick around. This is Monday Night Titans, part of the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Does it... segment tonight here live from Martin's Barbecue Downtown, where we try to eat during the breaks. This is Monday Night Titans, presented by Geico, part of the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Titans Pro Bowler, former Titans Pro Bowler Mark Mariani to my left. TitansOnline.com senior editor and writer Jim Wyatt. On my right, I'm Jason Martin. You can follow Jim at Sports. You can follow Mark at Mark Mariani 80 You can follow me at jmartzone. So I want to talk about Buffalo, but I want to give Brett Kern some love. Real quick before we do so, two punts yesterday inside the 10, plus a game-saving tackle that we saw all over social media and Mike Vrabel credited today. This season, opponents are averaging less than nine return yards 
on his kicks. He's in the top seven in the league in total punting yards. He's put six inside the 20, has the third longest boot of the year with a 68-yarder. He's been good for a while. We've always liked him, but he's playing really solid football right now. And he might have saved the game with the tackle uh, you know, in the fourth quarter with about a minute and a half left in the game because the Titans let the Eagles returner kind of get to the outside, and, uh, and Brett Kern was kind of the last man standing, and uh, Mike Vrabel kind of kidded today. They're going to need to have to get him a bigger face mask if he's going to be called <laughs> on to make tackles like that. I'm sure Brett Kern not wanting to make a habit of that. But he's been outstanding. He's been changing games. And he's a Buffalo guy going back home this weekend. He was in the stands for the comeback game many years ago as a, young, uh, as a youngster. So uh, it's always special for him to go back to Buffalo and play. He was great, Mark. And not, only, great. And not only is he consistent, not only you know, has he been doing it for years and years, but these days he's a weapon. Yes. You know, and we're winning these close games because of that position battle. You saw it in the first half. We're going back and forth, up and down the field. No one was scoring, and field position is so, so key. I don't think he ever wants to get in the stat sheet <laughs> getting tackles, but he stuck his nose in there, man. He, he tried to give it a good form. He put a little wood in it. He got a little run over, but that's all right, man. <laughs> he's, uh, he's a stud, and not only is he, like I said, is he um, doing it consistently, but he has turned into one of the biggest bright spots for the Tennessee Titans. So... This is what a good team does, guys. If Tennessee is truly to be a force this season in the NFL, in the AFC in particular, you've got to trounce the bad teams. You've got to go up north, and you've got to beat the absolute breaks off the Buffalo Bills. LaShawn McCoy, banged up. It's a rookie quarterback in Josh Allen who usually makes three mistakes out of every five throws. And he also sometimes shows flashes of absolute brilliance. There are not a whole lot of offensive weapons on Sean McDermott's offense. The defense is pretty average. They got blanked yesterday after that very strange win over the Minnesota Vikings. The Titans have got to go in there. They've got to work hard. They've got to beat these guys. You do that, you're 4-1 and one with a very, very intriguing matchup with the Ravens on the horizon that I would say the national media will be very, very interested in seeing a legit defense on that side, a legit defense we seem to believe here in Tennessee but they're not quite as dynamic in offense as Matt LaFleur might not have easier either. And then you head to London to face Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. Some people would say this could be a trap game. No game can be a trap game for the Tennessee Titans. You beat Houston, you go to Jacksonville and beat them. Bortles, by the way, looked awfully good again yesterday, which speaks to Tennessee's defense a week ago. And then finally you cap off the first month with an overtime win against the Eagles. Now you got to go crush the Bills, period. If, you're, if you don't, the national media will be the first one to talk about how this was a false narrative in this win. Well, you give one, back, you know, you give one away after winning a couple of big ones, and you don't want to do that. It's, and it's tough to win week in and week out in the league, Get them, play with emotion, take care of business. I mean, uh, look back to last year. The Titans pulled one. I guess the Browns almost lost to, the, to a team that ended up not winning a game in December. We all remember what happened on that West Coast swing, losing at Arizona, losing at San Francisco. Some of the players from that team are still around. A lot of players from those teams are still from that team still around. So hopefully that's a lesson. But it's not easy to win. Even though Buffalo has been bad three out of four times, they, they rose up and beat the Vikings in resounding fashion a couple of weeks ago in Minnesota. Even a team like the Patriots, who blew the doors off of Miami yesterday, they lost to Detroit in Detroit on a Monday night not, uh, you know, just a couple of weeks ago. So it, it's hard to do it week in and week out in the league. But I do agree. I mean, if, you, if you're trying to make a statement, if you're trying to build, if you're trying to 
to change the narrative here, you've got to go out and beat Buffalo, and it's a team that's very beatable. Yeah, you look at Georgia kind of sleepwalked in the second half against Tennessee. Still beat them because they're just a much better football team. You show up and sleepwalk in the NFL, Never. you're going to lose. You can't do it. I think the message will be very clear. It's no surprise. they got to stay focused. they got to put their foot down, put their foot on the gas, and go win this game. We used to call it smell blood in the water. you got a wounded Buffalo Bills team. You're going on the road. No distractions. you got to get after them. you got to attack them early. And like you said, beat the bricks off them. You can't, we don't want to go win and, and luck out of there. We want to go up to Buffalo and beat them because you're right. That's what good teams do. That's what good teams do week in and week out. They go beat the teams they're supposed to beat. They do it in, 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 you know, in good fashion. They, they clean up some of the things they need to. They get their, all, all the um, things working and everything on the same page, and they go get the job done. And that's just what we have to do if we want to be good. Jim, were there any highlights from what Vrabel had to say today that we haven't covered anything, that, anything interesting out there that he mentioned? I think, uh, you know, I do a, a things that stand out from each press conference. I mean, I just think it off the top of my head. He raved about Marcus Mariota, raved about Corey Davis, obviously. He said everybody in the, uh, on the team. He usually gives out game balls to certain positions each week. Uh, and uh, so we've gotten into a habit of kind of asking him who's getting a game ball that week. He said this week, everybody, you know, because he thinks everybody played a part in that game. We touched on the injuries. Blaine Gabber's still in the concussion protocol. Wesley Woodard. Hopes it doesn't miss time, but that's going to have to be monitored where Kenny Vaccaro obviously going to miss a couple of weeks. I think those were the newsiest uh, nuggets that came from it. He gave great reviews on Jack Conklin in his first game back, which I think is a good sign, and you want to keep those guys together moving forward. And uh, mentioned Kern that we talked about. And then the, the last thing, I mean, the overconfidence issue. That was the first question out of the gate by, you know, from Teresa Walker from AP. After you win a couple of games against the Jags and, you know, and obviously the Eagles, do you worry about overconfidence? He said he fought through some of that during his playing career, and uh, he'll make sure that doesn't happen this week. Yeah, well, Patriots won a lot of games <laughs> while he was there, so yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. A couple of quick questions on the way out. As a receiver, Rashard Matthews leaves the team. Considering everything that was going on around that with Mariota's health, with Gabbard's health, with no Delaney Walker, with the offensive line, are you disappointed that he was a little bit selfish, or it came across like he was a little bit selfish in terms of I want mine at a time when the team really needed to be rallying around just to win football games. Yeah, I think the timing is what got me the most. And the whole saga this offseason with the Rashard Matthews deal, uh, he was battling injury through camp. No one knows his status, and then all of a sudden they extend him. There's always been friction with him. Uh, he always seems to... Um, be outspoken when something doesn't go one way or the other. He's a great player, and I have a lot of respect for him. I think the timing was the most difficult, di uh, disappointing thing for me. You just don't come back. You sort of leave your team hanging. Now, listen, looking at that receiver room, they are loaded with potential, though. I, I see Taewon Taylor out there breaking people off, Tajay Sharp, and, of course, our guy Corey Davis. I mean, I, I, I think that we can make enough plays in that room. I'm so excited for the potential of those guys. Losing a veteran is the biggest thing for me. You need a guy in the room that can be your rock a little bit, and losing him will be tough. I'm sure they'll do something to address it, you know, keep those guys focused and on the right path. Uh, it was disappointing, but... You know, the future is bright for the wide receiver room in the Tennessee Titans. Boy, the future did not appear to be bright in Miami at all. And now, look at what everyone is talking about in the Music City. It feels good to have a winning team on the field in the NFL 
in Nashville. Crazy stat for you. I try to make you smarter on the way out every day on the Big Six. The Chicago Bears have blitzed less than any team in the NFL this season. They also have the most sacks. They've got 18. Good up front. Khalil Mack has five. (laughs) Good job by the Raiders trading that guy. (laughs) Big Orange Hotline next. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night.